everyone. Welcome to Buzzing About Romance. I am Becky, and with me for this episode, um, who's with me all the time, my co-player, co-host, Leah. Hi, Leah. Hi. Hi, Becky. And we do have some special guests tonight, though, too. Too. Our Buzzing About Romance librarians, two of our three, are here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we added them back in May. And it has been phenomenal to have them. And you will continue to hear them on the pa- podcast in 2022. Leah and I have lots of plans for the librarians. Anyway, they don't know about the plans, but we they have don't. plans. <laughs> we have plans for them. Welcome back to the podcast. We've got Amanda and um, Nicole are with us today. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey, Becky. Hello. Uh-huh. We're so happy to be back. Um. So on this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we're going to talk about our reading experience of 2021. This is actually part one of our year wrap up. Because mm-hmm. um, it's talk- been a year. It's been quite a year. It's been quite a year. Um, we're going to talk about trends, uh, the phenomenon that is book talk. Also share some of our thoughts on what 2022 might have in store for us. And joining us to help, again, are the Buzzing About Romance librarians um leah how about you refresh us with their bio okay amanda is an mlis librarian from the upper midwest she currently serves as the archivist and curator for a special collection at a big 10 academic research institution throughout the month of march you'll find her slinging book recs as part of the Tournament of Tropes bracket competition to determine the supreme romance trope of all time. A lifelong lover of the genre, Amanda's first romance novel, a steamy adult celeb romance, was published in August 2021 by Totally Bound Press. And then Nicole, tattooed in blue-haired Minnesota librarian, hoping to drink as much coffee and read as many books as she can can often be found with a couple of cats or her dogs snuggled up reading a book or playing video games. She loves a variety of books from hockey romances to dark Nordic mysteries and true crime. And I think Nicole has like fresh blue hair tonight. I you do. guys can't see it, but we can. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love blue hair, but I'm not brave enough. <clears throat> oh, you could do it. I've now convinced two of our old lady patrons to dye their hair. They both told me they were too old to do it. And I was like, absolutely You're never too not. old for the blue hair. Never. My mother does it. My mother, she had purple hair. She's had bright, like, red mm-hmm. hair. My girl child has a variety of hair colors. Um, so I've had multiple hair colors, but once I hit a certain age, it takes too much effort. Like, I'm lucky I brush my hair most well, days. I so. am a child of the 90s, like a teen, young adult of the 90s. So I totally used to dye my hair with Kool-Aid. Um, mm. before yes. vibrant manic panic mm-hmm. manic panic and kool-aid yep, yep. I, totally... I died a cat with kool-aid once he sort of looked like he was molding oh, that's terrible <laughs> it was just because concept. i dyed him green but he had like a tan patch so he just looked like he was molding for like a month <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. That's what would happen if I did it to the dog. They'd look ridiculous. Like it was yep. not on purpose that it was some kind of like fungus growing Disease. on them. Yep. Um, okay. So let's just kind of kick this off and talk about 2021 as a read um, for our reading for the year. Did you guys meet your Goodreads goal for the year? 
Did you make a Goodreads uh, goal for the year? I made one. I have not met it yet. I think I'm like eight books away. Okay. I mean, we still have some time. You could hit it. You got three weeks. Yes. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Amanda, did you re- meet your Goodreads goal? I I have no idea because I was reading some books for a while that I actually didn't tag um, um, as read. And since they were Kindle Unlimited books, I don't even remember what the name of them was. And I have to go back and track them down, to be honest with you. So well, that's not easy. I am... I. I know. And now I have like the 20 bookshelf and it's just like, I can't keep it's, track of all of it's this. It's wonderful and terrible all at the same time. It is. I have racked up so Yeah. So many are just sitting on there. <laughs> you did all convince me to get Kindle Unlimited, which I now have. Oh, good. It was worth it, How did it? you live? <laughs> Look, I just convinced myself I didn't need it because I keep buying books and I have the library and Libby. So I was like, I don't need Kindle Unlimited until I do. Yeah. And and I have a bad librarian because I'm all like, yes, Kindle Unlimited is great. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I currently have 20 things on my Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> Honestly, and we won't talk about this till our next episode for our listeners. Um, but my, my two of my top three reads of 2021 are Kindle Unlimited books. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, mm. and, and we'll get into all that. But OK, so most of mine are. Yeah, yeah. I would there's say most just minor too. We just have that one outlier. That's book two. Really, I have a handful. I think I have like three or four that are not. But looking at my stack, like that's off to the side here. I think most of mine are. I Yay love me. I love Kindle Unlimited. It actually helps me. Now, if I really like a book, I will go back and either buy the paperback or buy the ebook, depending on where I'm at with it. But I love Kindle Unlimited for the fact that I can kind of try out different voices and different authors. Um, I did find it a struggle when I first got it before I realized the power of it. It was a little overwhelming because like Nicole, I was a huge library user. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking for a lot of traditional published authors in Kindle Unlimited. And this was like 2018, early 2019. And I wasn't finding it. I'm like, why am I even on this? Why am I even reading? And now 99. Well, but it's in truth, though, it's gotten a lot better in the past couple of years because I've had it for it feels like forever, but it's definitely gotten better, better. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of publishers are, are using it, right? You know, like they're dropping mm-hmm. their books on on there for like limited time mm-hmm. or, you know, just just kind of as a, as a trial balloon. I know my publisher totally bound is starting to do that. Like if, if the authors ask, I wish I had asked actually for my books. Um, but yeah, they're starting, they're starting to do that now. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Entangled I know is doing it with older book series that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, I know that Mariah Inkeman, some of her older, like mile high, uh, she has a wedding planner series that went into Kindle unlimited for a limited time. Um, Helena Hunting and St. Martin's Press through her um, Shacking Up series, but it was like a, it was all three books compiled together into Kindle Unlimited. Um, I know that there are some indie authors that are a little frustrated with the allowances that are being made to the big publishers for putting books in Kindle Unlimited. Um, they're very frustrated because uh, Amazon does not force the publishers 
to pull the books from other retailers while they're in Kindle Unlimited. It has to be a special uh, only edition. E-books. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, not even ebooks. So really? Helena Hunting for her Shacking Up series, they compiled it together and put all three books or all four books into one collection. The collection is what went into Kindle Unlimited. To get the individual books, you still you, had to you had to buy them individually. Buy the collection was not available on e-retail other e-retailers like Apple Books or Barnes and Noble for Nook, but it was because it was in Kindle Unlimited. But the individual books were still available on those other retailers. Well, but in that one, it's kind of a loophole because it's not the same. Like it is, but it isn't. So like. Yeah, but those I mean, big I, five publishers are going to find every loophole they can. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, though. <laughs> it, it's I'm so not saying they don't have the right to get upset. I'm just saying there is a loophole there. It is It is very frustrating. I like Kindle Unlimited. I like what it does. Um, a lot of our listeners have found alternatives to Audible for them. Mm-hmm. They're using AnyPlay along with Hoopla and Libby. But AnyPlay is kind of like the Netflix of audiobooks you can it's like it's 23, a subscription it's like a subscription for like 23 months or something like that yeah like 25 dollars for three months and you have unlimited listens and downloads now once your subscription's gone you don't own those books anymore so you can't go back and listen but for those that you know don't have access to hoopla it's a nice alternative yeah because it and everybody says it has a really big catalog of books also. Like, yeah, you can find most everything on eBay. So um, did you guys experience any reading slumps this year? Lee and I did. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So how do you get out of reading slumps? Like, do you have, do you have a tried and true method to help you out of them? Or do you just keep trying until you find something that... I'll sometimes do something completely different and I'll go like rewatch a favorite movie. And then when I come back to reading, I'll read a book I already know I love. Something really light and easy like Harry Potter or The Hating Game. Like something that I just don't need to think a lot about. And that usually helps me. Yeah. What about you, Amanda? Do you have a tried and true method to get out of a reading slump? Uh, I usually go to YA. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I am a, a very big fantasy romance reader. Um, I love it. I love it so much. And I also like a lot of historical um, romances as well. So then you just, I just look for the YA counterparts. And when I get really like, come on, I want to see these people grown up and like doing more things. Uh, <laughs> that'll usually get me. That's a, that, that level of frustration is usually enough to like send me back into the adult world. <laughs> I think that that's a genre that really blew up that really blew up this year is the fantasy romance genre. You know, Mm -hmm. I think Ice Planet Barbarians going viral really Mm -hmm. helped. But you had um, the Blood and Ash or from Blood and Ash, the Blood and Ash Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, There just seemed to be this Sarah J. Moss's books and stuff like that. There just seems to be this huge uptick in um, fantasy, romantic, romantic fantasy. Do you think we'll continue to see that? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think I think high fantasy is becoming more acceptable 
and more, I should say, accessible, not acceptable. <laughs> um, but like people are just getting more into it because, you know, there's shows like The Wheel of Time is on. I mean, I yeah. think there was a big uptick in high fantasy back when Lord of the Rings, the movies were, were mm -hmm. out. And I think that having The Wheel of Time and some of the other shows, like The Shadow and Bone, the Bardugo's books, like that, that made it, that made a huge difference. And, you know, I read those books like forever ago. And at first when someone said, oh, this is on Netflix, I'm like, I feel like I read that book in like 2012 <laughs> during my why I went through a YA fantasy stage kind of at the dawning of like the Hunger Games and the Allegiant books and all that stuff. I went through this YA fantasy phase phase for a while. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've read that book. And I had. I had read them. <laughs> They're good. And Ben Barnes is like, oof. Yeah. Ben Barnes so, is mighty fine. He can do He's the perfect darkling. He, he really is. Like, I how dare you? Like, I already kind of, you know, I already love him, even though he is just legitimately evil. Like, he is a terrible person. And it's like, if evil, why hot? <laughs> I know. But he was also like Prince Caspian, too, right? So, like, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. He has been a fantasy, a YA fantasy romance hero in the True. past. He has, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But I loved, I loved Six of Crows, the duology, oh, and so, so I was really, I, I think with that show, I was like super excited to see like those two aspects of the Grishaverse like merge. Yeah. and so that was, that was pretty cool. Mila Vane's books too this year, um, the Breath of Snow and Ashes or whatever. Um, mm. Those are. Yeah, the blood, the bloody hand job book, as so many people have been calling it. Um, it's just like it's a it's a phenomenal series, and her second one just came out this year, and so that was fun. Yeah, I mean, I think fantasy romance is is definitely going to be sticking around. Yeah, I think we'll see yeah. more and more of it. I think it's going to become more popular um, and on shelves. I think is one of the and things. I'm all in. <laughs> For sure. I, I'm I all am. about it absolutely all in I've been so frustrated I think growing up because I always read fantasy that was my genre romance was my sneaky like guilty pleasure but fantasy was like where it was at for me and it was mm -hmm. you know I read a number of female authors and stuff but you know I, I feel like it just hasn't really come into its own as like a, a romance a, a romance genre and until recently and I'm really excited about that yeah um I, you know, and I think overall too, one of the things that Lee and I've noticed this year is the books that are trending are ones that are coming from publishers. And I think it's because it's accessibility. It's on the bookshelf, can go down to your local bookstore and it's going to be on there. It is great to walk into those bookstores and see romantic fantasy on the shelves instead of kind of hidden in the dusty corner mm -hmm. where nobody it's wants to. Like and that's, I think that is the big thing is like, not, they're not afraid to put them like front and center for people to see, which I love because that's the thing like romance, like it's always like, it was always like on the side corner where you had to like search for it sometimes, but these ones, like they're, they're out there like on the end where you can see them. So, um, and I'm interested in your take because I know that you guys read a fairly equal amount of traditional published versus indie published and if you had asked me a year ago, I'd have told you, I don't really see a big difference. I feel like the books are just the same. This year, I have there. I think that there are some huge differences to the writing. <laughs> and I'm not talking quality of writing. I'm talking about like 
expectations of the book or the steaminess and sexiness of the book, you know, I feel like there's this huge difference between the big published books and the smaller indie published or books. Yeah. And even, well, and even like a boutique label, like there's differences, but not as much versus like a big publisher versus an indie publisher. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you think this is becoming more relevant now or is it just that I'm reading more between the two and noticing differences? No, I think it is. I think it is absolutely true, I think. And I think you're also starting to see um, more of a, a three, three-part division, right? Where you mm-hmm. have the big traditionally published. And then I feel like the small presses and the indie and the self-pubs like all kind of seem to be clumped together for a very long time. And I think there is now like a line probably between those as well. And I think I'm, I'm also seeing some of the larger small presses like Entangled, uh, Sourcebooks Casa, um, starting, starting to swing over towards more towards the big traditional publishing. Yes. Like that's kind of what I'm, I'm feeling like as an author and as a reader. Well, and Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of these big publishing houses, the books that they're putting out are not, I keep saying romance, they're romance adjacent, you know, they're like, they're not quite the romances of, if I look back to traditionally published books, but they're typically smaller label like Harlequin. So like, if you look at like a Renna Morgan, Amaya Banks, um, a even, you know, old school, Julie Garwood, Jude Devereaux, those are traditionally published books, but they're pretty stinking sexy, you know, and they push the boundaries and they talk about things. And there is some violence in some of those books. And I mean, I would say like, if you read Katie Roberts, Neon God, which is very good, I enjoyed the book. Um, but you read her Wicked Villains books, which is, you know, some of the same kind of heroes and stuff. Neon Gods is really muted <laughs> compared to what she pushed out indie wise. And as a reader, it's very frustrating. It is very frustrating to me. Well, but but with Katie, though, we notice like when you read one of her trad pub books and you read one of her indie pub books, like her voice is still the same. So like you do, you don't have that like as much frustration there because yes, you don't no. get like as much of the steamy, but like her writing style is exactly the same. And that's something we've noticed though, too, is there are authors like for their trad pub books and their indie pub books, like their, their tone is very different too, which is kind of frustrating as a reader it, you know you give up a lot of and I'm, I'm I'm coming at this from like um both a reader and and a writer right now but like you give up a ton of control when you go with a publishing company um and when you go with like a big publishing company you don't even get in there unless you have an agent and so like if you think about the number of gatekeepers that your book or your manuscript, your voice, everything is going through to get out in traditional publishing, like from one of the big fives, like, you know, you have to get through an agent and the agent has to sell it to the, to the publisher, to the acquisition editor. And then it has to go through a round of of edits there. And then it's, you know, so to me, it makes sense why it feels like a more diluted 
experience, you know, with Katie Roberts, because she, I don't even know how much of a development, how much of an editor she has for her. She has her own developmental editor before, but I mean, she also Mm -hmm. has a name behind her. So she has, she writes, she has her own editor. And before it goes to the Mm -hmm. publisher, she, you know, but again, she has a name behind her and, you know, has earned a little bit more you know liberties i mean that is why neon gods feels a little bit more muted is because it's being put through sourcebooks um yeah. editorial team and that is going to do things you know to to your books whether you like it <laughs> like it or not you're giving up a lot of control yeah as a reader you know it's just funny to me because like i read christina lauren's like old school the beautiful bastard series they're very sexy you know they have some of the taboo like you know voyeurism and stuff like that right on the edge and then someone i read a review of someone that had loved some of their older stuff like josh and hazel and everything but then read the soulmate equation and they were like it was like reading boiled chicken (laughs) all the flavor had been taken out of the book and i was like oh oh okay (laughs) like and and so that's kind of what I'm equating. Like you go from your indie, and again, that's fan fiction that they self-published and then got bought for distribution. Um, you know, to now they're under a publisher and you know with a big payday, and their books. It feels like two different people. Well, and it is, but you know, it feels like different people are writing the stories. So, well, and they're very different even though they're still classifying them all as romance, they're very, very different. Some of them are like way more contemporary romance, which have more, you know, sex and language versus how a couple of theirs have definitely felt more like women's fiction. Yes. Where they're like, yes, very romance light. And I guess I can Mm -hmm. appreciate that they kind of have a little bit of something for everybody, but I also get like, and now I'm thinking about that from a librarian point of view of mm-hmm. who can I recommend their books to and how many different genres can they fall into? And, you know, how many ways can I get them in someone's hands who's probably going to like them? But as someone yeah. who reads all of their stuff, I can also find that frustrating where I'm yeah. expecting one particular kind of book and then getting another. And even if it's still good, it's not exactly what I was hoping for sometimes. Oh, and I think and that's I- the the hardest part is like you have an expectation like when you're reading a certain author and when you don't get that like it's it's frustrating because like you know like this is what you got out of this book so I'm expecting to get it out of this book and when you don't you're you're bummed Mm -hmm. yeah for sure but I think that's us there's also something there though with what you're saying Nicole about kind of a blurring of genres right like I feel like 2021 and maybe 2020 as well but definitely this year you've seen some a really the line that used to be between women's fiction and romance used to be very bright mm-hmm. and now it is fuzzy it is extraordinarily yeah. fuzzy um and I so would agree. I, i've seen a ton of stuff that is definitely women's fiction with a really strong romantic arc and it was a lovely lovely story but it was you know it's, it's sold as a romance and so mm-hmm. and that's i think you know, then your reader's expectations are, are totally screwed because the book has been marketed a certain way and there's absolutely nothing mm-hmm. you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
In a way, I kind of like that, though, because I took a webinar on women's fiction. So one of my jobs at the library is to do like all of our readers advisory. So like people can submit a form to me that tells me things they like, things they don't like, and then I'll give them recommendations. It's my favorite part of my job, but I don't always read everything. So I took a webinar on women's fiction thinking, who cares? I'm not into this, whatever. <laughs> well, now that the line is so blurred, there is so much more out there that I'm like maybe more willing to try so I can appreciate kind of what it's done for my personal reading style as well. That's a great point. Yeah. I don't mind women's fiction. I really don't. And I actually read no. quite a bit of it. Um, I just, if it's marketed to me as romance, I need it because of my romance loving heart. <laughs> I need it to be romance. Like if you had told me, in a book that I've grumbled about, like the love hypothesis, if you told me that this was women's fiction with a romantic story, okay, I get it. She's coming to age. She's trying to figure mm -hmm. out her trajectory and her life and maneuver with all these obstacles. And hey, look, you know, there's this guy and she's got to do something to save her friendship. Okay. I can believe all of that. Got it. But when you tell me it's a fake dating, fake relationship, romance my expectations are like and and if different. you write a review and it tells me oh and this is super steamy but nothing happens till 86 percent, and there's only like two chaste kisses and one with some tongue like That's people i need more <laughs> that is not steamy it's fine in my women's fiction not in my romance yeah but it's my grumpy. That's my grumpiness. Um, <laughs> but again, I don't have problems with women's fiction. Um, Avery Flynn kind of did it this year with her Back to the Burbs book that she did. That really was a women's fiction book with a romantic arc. Um, and I think she was able to be a little bit more um, funny and quirky that sometimes she has to kind of back up in, in her romance. She doesn't always put like the comedic over-the-top stuff that she did in Back to the Burbs. Um, and I enjoyed it. But I think that, again, Entangled in that situation, they did market it correctly because they marketed it as women's fiction. I didn't expect, you know, romance. So, and, okay, so did you guys look at the Goodreads nominations for the romance? Yep. First of all, it really pissed me off that there were like no indie authors. Uh, I'm sorry. Mm -mm. The Love Deception is technically indie. Is. But I think yeah. they're distributed through Montlake, correct? Yes. So she's not because Montlake is big. Come on. It's not considered into the top five, but how much of the market do they own people? That's really a lot. I mean, it's Amazon. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So they should be included in the big publishers. Montlake should be in the big publishers. But The Love Deception was, I think, the only, only indie romance that was nominated for those good read awards this year. And then yeah. I think uh, Emily Henry is who won. And was it mm -hmm. People We Meet on Vacation? Wasn't that, that women's fiction, though? It should have been. It's a romance-adjacent book, Leah. Okay. And I'll be snarky no, about that till the day I die. Fiction. I did not realize it was marketed as a romance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, then. Super, super frustrating. 
Okay. Well, anyway, let's move on to another topic because we could talk about this one for hours. We could. We might have to do an episode about this in the spring. I mean, I'm a genre blending, genre mm. blending, and marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Real quick, I will say real quick. I love an illustrated cover, but I expect a rom com when I get an illustrated cover. Same. You cannot give me a freaking illustrated cover, and then it's like dark and emotional and not what i wanted publishers if you are listening stop fucking doing this people making me mad i'm okay with it but i totally know what you mean like you pick up a book and you think oh this is gonna be fun and quirky i don't mind you end up with something like the friend zone yeah like i don't mind it as much if they do like a special edition illustrated cover but like you got that dark cover like to start with because like you knew what you're getting into and if they do like a special edition cover it doesn't bother you so bother me as much but they're not because they're not marketing it as like this illustrated cover but yeah i see illustrated and i think rom-com yeah i think that's inevitable and then there's been some books in the last year that have come out with really gorgeous illustrated covers Mm -hmm. and they're heavy you know, like the authors have content warnings for them for really heavy things like death, spouse, you know, abuse, knife play, abuse, knife play, you know, but they still, you know, the publishing companies are still putting these illustrated covers on them. And you have to like dig into the author's websites to, mm-hmm. to, to get that message from them because it's, it's being intercepted yeah. by the illustrated cover essentially. So have you guys heard this trend about these midnight covers? This is something that's newer, so you might not have heard about this. So there are a few romance authors, particularly ones that tend to write a little darker romance. Uh, Willow Winters is one of the ones leading this charge. Um, So these midnight covers are basically they are taking and taking the abs, taking anything that would look sexually explicit off the covers They'll have floral on them. They might be matte with just the title and some filling artwork, but it will not. You'd have to really look to see what the title of the book well, is. And they're also doing like for series, they're doing like a color family where each book is a different shade. So it's like the great, I'm using the term grayscale, but it's not like, but it's like a grayscale of color from like dark to light like throughout the series, which coming from an artist's perspective, I really love that. But their, but their thing is, is they're seeing an increase in readers, but readers have said that they don't feel comfortable reading. They don't want to, they want paperbacks. They don't want to read on e-readers. Um, they don't want abs on their paperbacks. But they have been approached on the train. Yeah. Approached on the train or at the Starbucks or whatever, you know, being, hit on because there's a guy's abs on their paperback. So some authors are creating these alternate cover midnight covers to kind of shade. I have thoughts. I know you all are shocked to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) I have big thoughts. I don't freaking care. I don't care what's on my cover. I rarely look at my covers. Yeah, but you don't crack your paperbacks either. I don't. I don't. I read exclusively on the paperback should not be cracked. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I have never been ashamed of what I read. And it 
by, Mm -hmm. you know, doing this midnight cover thing. I don't live in a big city either. So again, I don't know what it's like to ride public transit and to have someone come up to me and hit on me. I'm also, you know, in my mid forties and nobody is hitting on me at this moment. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. I would hold the abs. I'd probably let them know in detail what I wanted to do with those abs. I don't, I don't need to hide my covers and it, I just don't know how I feel about it. Do you have thoughts? I do only because I also know a lot of people who do struggle with some of those covers who either won't read them, won't let anyone know they've read them. They'll find a different cover on Goodreads so that they don't tell everybody, Oh, I read it with this cover on there because it's so embarrassing. Like, and I have a friend where we usually meet in like coffee shops or we would meet at the bar and like sit up at the bar and read our books. And the bartenders would always ask what we're reading. And sometimes she'd be like, you can't, you can't look at this one. I'll talk to you about the next book I read, but not this one, you know? So I get it. I, I get I where mean, they're coming from. I respect sure. it. I just, I personally don't get it. <laughs> but I do also judge all of my books by their covers. So like I'm, that's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you, Amanda? Do you have thoughts on these alternate covers? You know, I don't know. I kind of, I feel like I've I've seen this argument happen on social media a lot and it it kind of becomes generational too. Um, And for a really long time, I was like of the, you know, embrace the clinch, like love, love the naked and, Mm -hmm. and embrace this. And, you know, thinking that people were not wanting those covers out of like, shame or embarrassment um and then you know that that I think was a little bit that was myopic of me and I I started you know you just start listening to like reasons why people don't like those covers like you know maybe they're not representative of what's actually in in the book Mm -hmm. um you know for people who are closeted to be reading a gay romance like in public that's you know, that's, that's not, true. that's not an easy thing to do at all. No. Um, so there's, I mean, I, I, I just think the covers comes down to personal preference. Um, I personally don't mind the clinch. Um, and I like, I like my washboard abs presence mm-hmm. and invisible. <laughs> but I don't. I have the most horrific clinch cover in my collection. The one that's the Joanna Lindsay one that it looks like he's oh, yes the, the titty one. <laughs> it's like the most raciest of clinch covers. You guys, my it's my mom's. Like this is her book. <laughs> you know what anyway. I hadn't thought about too until like I saw this argument. I don't remember even where, but like all of those covers are considered illustrated too. You know, they're they illustrated are? covers, right? They're just not like the cartoon vector art, mm-hmm. flat art that we're seeing right now. So but I think they that's actually... an important distinction when we talk about cartoon covers. Yeah. Do you, So do you know how they used to do those? Do you know the history behind those? Because it's really interesting because I was doing research because I think we're going to have to do an episode on covers. Um, so those are actually, they did, they took photographs and then they turned them into black and white and there were really three prominent artists that would take those black and white photos and then watercolor them. They would resketch them and watercolor them. And then they'd overlay the black and white outline of the photo on top of the watercolors to send to press. Like it was a process. 
Dang. Yeah. And so. water, watercolor is quite the process in general. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just feel like we need a whole Fabio episode is really what it comes down to. Really oh, yeah. To celebrate. He was on so many. So many covers. I did read his interview in People Magazine. Yeah. It's really interesting. Just like, I don't know, seeing him just be a person in his house and like chat about his life was great. Mm-hmm. I also so the corset and crown or corset and crown edition I was talking to them about something and I was like do you guys know the story of like Barbara Cortland and her impact on romance and how it changed over to what we're reading now and they're like no who was she I was like she's a crazy lady <laughs> from Australia <laughs> she her characters did not have premarital sex because it was bad ever, ever. she wrote something like hundreds of books but they were the short like the early day harlequin short type thing yeah yeah probably probably read a few in my day yeah but never premarital sex and maybe a chaste kiss but that Hmm. she was and she was quite the queen dom there with her little white floofy dog and her sparkling jewels and she had a huge i forgot about the dog she always had the dog in the pictures and she had an epic war with jackie collins like mm-hmm. an epic war. If you don't know any of that Ooh. history, I totally recommend checking out Barbara Cortland and Jackie Collins. I'm <laughs> definitely looking that up. Googling, <laughs> Googling as it we will, speak. Um, oh, yeah. There is a girl on TikTok and Instagram. Her name is Shell Upton. She does a phenomenal series of um, vintage romance and she educates herself. I don't think she works in publishing, um, but she's really into gothic romances and but vintage gothic romances and such. And she's really knowledgeable. And she did a short on it. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. So I found the interview, the Barbara Cortland, where she attacked Jackie Collins. And I'm just like, this is like the stuff you dream of. <laughs> it would be as if last year's big blow up that happened. <laughs> Happened mm. on live TV and not just an Instagram. <laughs> Amanda's like, who are we talking about? We'll what what blow up? We'll, okay. we'll tell yeah. you. We'll Maybe tell you. later. Chat, we'll tell you. Later. Had to do with some bullying um, <laughs> oh. last year. Um, okay. So we started 2021 with the push of historical romances because of the success of the Bridgington Julia Quinn Netflix series. Um, do you think historical has still kind of been pushing to the front or did it kind of fall off? What are our thoughts? I think it fell off. And I just think that's because of the ascension of of fantasy romance. Yeah, I don't think it, I thought this year was going to be the year of historicals. I really thought Mm -hmm. we were going to see this big push in the historical genre that, Maybe we'd get some big epic love story type sagas, family, you know, kind of Bridgington esque. And we haven't seen it. I don't. I wonder if if I, you know, obviously I have I have no idea, but like I, I wonder if publishing companies were caught a little bit flat footed, right, by the success of Bridgerton. I mean, yeah. they're buying stuff stuff that is coming out now was acquired like three years ago, mm-hmm. right. And that was, so they're not nimble. They're not fast. They couldn't, if they had been able to pivot and push out stuff, content, the way indies and and small presses and stuff are able to, 
you know, maybe actually historical would have been. But you have authors like Kerrigan Burns who fired her agent, fired her publishing house and is producing all indie. But I think she only got like one book out this year. But I, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the nature of when you fire everybody that. (laughs) So, but then you also have to question if, is like next year, like, are we going to see a huge historical push in the next couple of years though? Because like, since they did see this big success for it, like, is that where they started laying the groundwork? I don't think so because what I'm seeing, you know, working now in publishing and I'm actually reading query manuscripts now, um, what I'm seeing the push, like my checklist, it's not historic. I mean, I have seen some historical, but a lot of what's being submitted is fantasy, romantic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder with the second season of Bridgerton, if that remains just as popular, if that will change their opinions too. You yeah. know, if they're thinking mm-hmm. it's a one-off versus like something sustainable. Yeah. I Yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. I also don't think, and I know some of it is generational, to steal your word, Amanda, I don't think historical romances are the same as the ones that I read pre 2000. Like, I don't think that Julia Quinn could, bre- I don't think she could um, publish the Bridgingtons now. With I don't the think success a, that she did then. Yeah. I don't think a publishing house would buy them right now. No, there's, I, there's some, there's some things in there that are problematic for sure. I'm just um, not talking the problematic. I don't think that the women are modern enough for what publishers you know i read um uh forever's new one the rebel the rake by emily sullivan Hmm, yeah and i thought okay this is gonna be pretty good right this will be really good it's okay it's a little warm tea not hot tea i mean i think i think tessa there is probably one of my favorite historical authors who she writes these very contemporary fresh female characters but they're you know impeccably researched but there I mean there are so many good historical authors that are mm-hmm. that are out there and I don't well I mean I, we did have a few at least this year mm-hmm. you know there was Evie Dunmore had her portrait yeah, of Martha Waters okay Martha okay. Waters and then, Evie Dunmore um, that third one don't mm-hmm. you feel that that was a little bit more romantic, romance adjacent than yeah, historical probably. romance? Because it doesn't end in a happily ever mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't read it, but the Amanda Collins ones, there's like mm-hmm. the... Oh, yep. I didn't mind those. Mallory's List oh, and oh, yeah. Olivia Waits, too. Kat Sebastian put out some really good queer ones um, um, that I liked yeah. a lot. Kate Pemberton? Pembleton? She was a new debut author from forever. And I read hers and I did Mm -hmm. like hers. Um, But they weren't the epic family sagas that, you know, as someone who read the Jude Devereaux's, the Joanna Lindsay's, the Montgomery's. So going from like Montgomery's and Mallory's to Bridgington's, it felt natural. But I don't think anything... Bridgington big family-esque like that has come out for region historical romance. Yeah. Not not yeah, not, not in the same vein. Lisa yeah, Lisa sure. Clayposs. Lisa Clayposs's books are probably the closest, right? Right. Well, and Sarah McLean her, her sister's, right? Winterborn. Mm-hmm. 
I think is Sarah mm-hmm. McLean. I have not read her. She's on my TBR. I have not read her. I get yelled She's at. Great. So good. Do it. Um, just do it. Joanna Shoot. Joanna Shoot. I feel like has put out. Has she put out a family one? I don't know. Uh, I just read one. But no, I read Kerrigan Murns. I don't think I've read Joanna Shoot. There's one on my shelf. I really don't have a reason not to read it. Um. Food. I did buy the novellas. Steamy stuff that like I think you would really like Becky. I read the novella, the because the Corset and Crown Girls did um the rake I'd like to F that was Adriana Herrera, uh Sierra Simone, Joanna Shoup, um Nicola Davidson, and I think there's one other I'm forgetting that's in that group. Those were good for short, spicy historical novellas. Those were good. I did like this, but that's an indie published um, anthology. So um, standout reads for 2021. Do you have a favorite read of 2021? You know, this is a tough question because Becky and I have been picking our favorite reads for each month and it has been hell trying to to do it. So in our next episode, Leah and I are going to go month by month from December of 2020 till November of 2021. And we will tell you the top book that we read that was was published published. in that month. But it really showed us where we slumped, like when we were trying to find and pick the books, because we had a couple really bad slumps this year. Yeah. Like July, I had three five-star reads in all of July. And I know I read every day, but... I did a lot of rereading this year because anytime I hit a slump, like I'm a rereader of like complete series to get me out of it. And so I reread so much this year. So yeah. any standout I, reads? I found I'm a couple of think. new to me fantasy romance authors that I thought were really good. Um, the Guild books, the series, I think is Raven Kennedy. Um, it's oh, the play yes. on King Midas. It's awesome. It's, it's so good. And Carissa Broadbent um, was a new to me. She's an indie author. She just constructed this amazing, just <clears throat> absolutely gorgeous, beautiful fantasy world. And I totally slid into her DMs like a fangirl. I was like, do you ever need a beta reader? Because <laughs> you haven't put out your last book and I need this now. Um, <laughs> she, she said, thank you. That's very nice of you. <laughs> but like, I think the best book I read this year that made me just like, I uh, just like melt all over the place it was probably Kennedy Ryan's real. It is so, so good. She is, I mean, I, I love all of her books without yeah. a doubt, but she just outdid herself on, on this one. It, it's just phenomenal writing. It's just beautiful. And it's such a complex story and it is. It's dealing with the chronic health issue and, you know, being black and in Hollywood and just yes that book was phenomenal I actually that was part of a clear my TBR challenge and I just read that in November and I'm like why did I wait so long what was wrong with me it was so good um what about you Nicole standout reads Um, actually I think my two favorite ones that were not rereads because I did a lot of rereading um, were both by Serena Bowen, 
I did um, Boyfriend, which is part of her college hockey, the Muyu yeah. universe, mm-hmm. and then Waylaid, which is part of her True North series. And wasn't Boyfriend MM? Um, was Boyfriend MM? I'm trying to remember who was in that. I no, no, I don't think her any not that one. Are. Not that one. No, okay. not that one. I think only her Vino and Veritas have any. Well, she Ooh, wrote True an- North. True North has an MM um, or has some queer romances. And Mm -hmm. I know that she has one that she's writing maybe with Lauren Blakely. Right. Yeah. She has that one that's coming out. Is that coming out out yet? No. Yeah. Hasn't come out yet because I'm on her arc team. It comes out. And so I say this as not just on her arc team. I just love her. She's so good. Now, I have not read this. I haven't read the True North series. Don't come at me. (laughs) Oh, but no. I've read okay, all so of right her now, Brooklyn Bruisers. I'm is I'm listening to all of the audiobooks. So yeah. I'm like, I haven't even read a ton of new things lately. I'm like binging backlist stuff. I love that... a backlist binge. <laughs> we yes. just talked about that with, we had Julie Salmon on our episode last Sunday. And she, we talked about rabbit holes with her because I found her, she was new to me this summer. And I went down the rabbit hole of all her books and we talked about like binging books. And it's really great when you can find an author with a really big backlist and then just go from book to book to book. I'm almost caught up now. I think I have two left and then I'm out of true North and I I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. (laughs) No, you're going to feel hungover. You're going to have a true North hangover. Mm -hmm. It's going to be bad. Hopefully it's in time for her next arc to come out so I can just (laughs) Right. Else. <laughs> yep. That's her. Serena Bowen is a good one for a backlist too because she's got True North, she's, she's so got Brooklyn many. Bruisers, and mm-hmm. then Mew, the Moo You stuff, and she's got the stuff well, she, she wrote with company, Elk. Like that. Yeah, and she's got her Hard Eyes yeah. Press company. Mm-hmm. And so that also gave me a bunch of authors that I hadn't mm-hmm. read before. Uh-oh. That is that's one thing I like is when an author gives you a world and then you can mm-hmm. like like you're comfortable in the world, but you can taste yeah. test basically all these different authors that I like it yeah. and I don't like it. Cause I'm like, did they do justice to this author's world? I know and sometimes they don't. And it disappoints mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. But, sometimes, and, but then sometimes they're so great. You're like, how have I not read more of your Exactly. Books? And yeah. then you're like, Oh mm-hmm. no, now I have like 15 more books to read. Mm-hmm. And I don't <laughs> think they're out yet. I'm in like a time warp. I don't even know what day we're on anymore. I wrote the wrong <laughs> date like every day this week. So That's I don't true. think the speakeasy part of True World, True World, see, I don't even know what I'm talking about. True North, that world. Yeah. I don't think the speakeasy taproom ones have started coming out yet. Not yet. No, I don't, I don't think just 22. Okay, perfect. Because I just got to that one in the audiobook and I was like, oh my God, wait a minute. Perfect. Now I'm going to be all prepared where I know the backstory of them making the speakeasy taproom to get to those yeah and you don't have to read them all in order obviously because i didn't and i still understood all the other ones but i do like the little kind of bits you get of everything Actually, and all no, the crossovers. so the speakeasy ones are all out they're all out see there we go now i know what to do next because i'm clearly behind on life <laughs> i d- i didn't read the speakeasy ones did i read the speak is flip cup part of the speakeasy one Mm, yeah. let me look no that one's part of that's the vino uh, veritas. Oh, that's vino vino veritas. veritas. that was yeah. like the best female female romance that i read 
<laughs> that was contemporary this year by Kim I'll Hatfield. I'll have to try that because I don't typically like female female romance. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to try that one. I really enjoyed it. And Written in the Stars for a traditionally published oh, book. That was that a good was one. Female female. Was- My girl child read them and is obsessed with them. She only reads mm-hmm. queer romance. Mm-hmm. Her best right. friend is Roan Parrish. So. <laughs> oh. I love that. Well, that makes sense. She, she found Roan's books. And so whenever I talked to Roan, she's always like, please tell Roan I said hi. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you weirdo. That's so sweet, though. Oh, my God. It's adorable. She, she is the nicest person, too, because she, she told Leo they were friends. And I've claimed so many friends from this podcast. <laughs> so funny. Um, okay, so I don't think we can finish up a 2021 discussion. Without talking about book talk and the impact it has had on reading this year. So just going to ask, do either of you like watch book talk on the TikTok? Okay, so here's this confession time that is probably going to blow your mind. I don't even have a TikTok. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't have one. I told myself I'm not allowed. That's That's a very good thing to tell yourself. Mm -hmm. So I don't have one. That's... So I'm kind of oblivious to a lot of it, except for the Barnes and Noble book talk thing Table. and like the snippets I see on like Instagram or something. But yeah. otherwise, I know nothing. It's okay. Have restraint. <laughs> you don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I don't. I almost did it a few days ago, and I was like, no, I just said I wasn't going to. So don't do it. No. One of the things that we've learned about it, and I'm interested in Amanda's thoughts on this. So one of the things that we did learn about it, um, we had Katie Roberts on back in Halloween. We talked monster romances with her. And she was sharing with us that part of what is with book talk is they like physical copies of books. They want all the paperbacks. Um, There are very few of them that are out there that are okay with e-readers. They just... They like to highlight. They like to tag their pages. They want physical copies. In my opinion, in my analytic mind that doesn't really exist, I think that this is why we are seeing traditional published books blowing up over there versus small and indie books and self-published. Because distribution into your local bookstore, distribution into the Barnes & Nobles, are almost impossible for paperbacks. You have to request it. They have to add it in. They're not just going to be on a table or on a shelf. There has to be a reason that it's there. And I think, honestly, what is driving book talk is the fact that the reason that the books we're seeing over there are traditionally published. So, like, I recently read The Deal. I hadn't read The Deal by L. Kennedy. I love that I read book. it. It was good. Stop calling it the best sports romance new adult romance that was ever written because it's not if I compare that to so I compared it directly to Little Lies by Helena Hunting Little Lies the characters are so much more richer you know their backstory is a little bit more complex the way the relationship plays out it um the character arcs made sense They deal Mm -hmm. with their trauma versus I felt like Elle Kennedy made her the deal that both of them had trauma and it became personality traits versus who they, you know, like dealing with 
the potential of this trauma and stuff like that. Um, and so if you compare like new, do I think it's a great book to get started into new adult sports romance? Yes. But there, I had mm-hmm. come across a book talk where a girl was like, this is the best new adult sports. Rom-. I'm like, have you not read Moo You by Serena Bone? Because those are way better. Way better. Oh, so good. Um, so good. I, I think it's a well-written book, but I just, and it was really light on sports. I didn't feel this huge team dynamic. One of the things that I want in my sports romance is a team dynamic. I want to know his teammates. I want to know how he's negotiating and feeling. I want to see how she interacts with her teammates. Because when you're a sports, you know, person on a team like that, a co-player, Leah, mm-hmm. um, your teammates are a huge part of mm-hmm. who you are and your, you know. Well, especially in a lot of those sports, their seasons are long they're grueling there's a lot that goes into it you know it's not just like a game here or there it's like they're in practice they're in training they're yeah yeah. so when you're reading the deal together too it's the it's the the found family element of it though yeah Mm -hmm. that's why i love sports romance like sarah rashawn and alexa riley right yes alexa riley those books she does that really well both of them well Mm -hmm. like with the deal he goes to the ice like less than an hour before the game starts and i'm like really because i don't know crap about hockey guys like honestly i do not know crap but i imagine it takes more than an hour to one stretch and warm up and to put all that shit on well and they have all the stuff that goes before that like yeah yeah there just was some things that so i you know i was like but again it's been out since i think 2000 and 12 2013 it's been a I think. while yeah it's been out for a long time and it has distribution into it got picked i think i think it's source books has distribution on it so it's in the barnes and nobles it's in the um the small bookstores and that's why i think it's blowing up what do you think amanda what do you think about book talk i think i part of it is i'm an old you know and so it is, I mean, and it's, I'm old and it's confusing to me, but I think it's, I think it is awesome. And I think you are hitting on something that with the physical copies and what that is why we're seeing so much in, in the way of trad. And it's really a young crowd, right? I mean, TikTok in general is young, but I think as an old, <laughs> like, it's so cute that, that these kiddos are discovering, you know, romance. And, you know, and it's a different way of coming to the genre than I came to the genre with like my grandma's books. Mm-hmm. And so like, they're coming to it through social media. And I think that that's kind of, that's kind of cute and cool. Um, I am in awe of what it can do for authors. I, there's um, somebody I follow on Twitter, um, Rebecca, Rebecca Kenny, I think she is a, she is a hybrid author. But she's she's really become a big power user with Kindle Vella, and she had a whole thread not too long ago um, about how TikTok and BookTok have just like she's like I I was not successful in Kindle Vella until I started my own BookTok thing, and it, it it was I don't know I think if indie authors can figure out a way to make it work for them, mm-hmm. I think it, I think it can be like just an amazing marketing tool. But um, that physical copy thing for authors who are indie and who are small press, it sucks. Like it does. My 
my press would not give out physical arcs. I had a whole bunch of bookstagrammers that I was working with that, uh, you know, a few of them kind of bailed on the whole thing because they're like, well, you know, I'll, I'll read your book and I'll, I'll review it on, on Goodreads, you know, but I'm not going to do a post about it because, you know, I only do posts with physical books and that's my aesthetic. And I'm like, that makes, that makes total sense. But that is a big bummer, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I feel like, so, and again, I have to, you have to remember traditional publishers have this huge marketing machine behind them. They can afford to do the one-off, the physical arcs. But I do feel like Instagram is the home of the indie small pressed author and book talk it's for the traditional published that is and i mean i you do see some small stories coming out of it you see someone like ruby dixon how long has ice planet barbarians been out in the world i think the first one is 2012 2012 yeah 2012 yeah. it's on the shelf in my local walmart now because you know after it blew up on book talk she got picked up uh who picked her up i think penguin random house picked her up for distribution well, Holly Root picked her up and as an agent, I believe. Oh, and then and she sold her to, to, yeah, to Berkeley. And everything yeah. is coming out of there. It's just like massive deals. Right. And those new covers, though, have you seen them? Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually really like them. I, I love them. They I haven't nice. been in love with some of the fan art covers. Um, Willow Winters and Katie Roberts are both doing some read drawing of some fan art uh willow winters has a graphic novel of her merciless now um that she's putting together and i got a copy of it it's okay the art style i don't i don't love it doesn't grab me um but i liked the ice planet the new covers they made sense to me that's one of the books i downloaded today on my kindle unlimited just so you know um well if you need audio they're all in hoopla yes just so you know (laughs) okay i love hoopla so there's that they're really good they are so charming Mm -hmm. they are fantastic you know that was one of the big success stories out of 2021 that i was like yay yes (laughs) i love the alien romance trend and i mean the monster romance trend as well i think it's a hot moment and it's great but i really <laughs> oh man i'm so charmed by alien romances um okay monster romances were not what i was expecting i read quite a few in prep for our episode with katie and i can very clear voice to tell you they are not my subgenre they are not for me i read them they were okay Just i applaud people that love them they're not for me they're not. Yeah. I like a blue penis. I like an alien romance. I just, I had an, I couldn't get into the monsters. There's some that are, yeah, I, I have not really been able to as well. Um, but I have a bunch of author friends who, who write them. Mm-hmm. And so I, for me, I like them as short stories or novellas. Yeah. I think um, that they're really, really good for whatever reason they don't hold up as well for me as a reader when they're um, long form yeah and i think if i found the right one then it would it would work but i will send you rex okay um okay so i feel like we also have to give voice to traditional publish giving queer rep in books i feel mm-hmm. like more books this year were mainstream published 
that were queer romances than we've ever seen. Um, you know, I loved playing the palace. Um, I actually like that better than boyfriend material. Do not come at me. I liked it better than red, white, royal blue. Again, do not come at me. Um, it was a little more, more mature. I think they're older. They're older. So maybe that's, um, Roan Parish, she got lights on Knockbridge Lane, is in a category uh, historical or Harlequin special edition romance for Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's the first time they've ever put a queer romance in um, Harlequin like that. So that was amazing. One Last Stop um, mm-hmm. was fantastic. Um, what did, oh, did you guys read The Gunkle, which is rom- women's fiction more than romance? I didn't read it, but I have seen it everywhere. Yeah. It's and it be- had like quite a hold list at the library even. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's hilarious. It's so funny. Highly Did you make I your gunkles read it? it? I bought gift copies for each of the gunkles. Did you? <laughs> My daughter has gunkles. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. And you know what I like? I think about the queer reps this year that I saw a lot more of. It wasn't just male male. No. Mm-hmm. Um there were some trans books that came out that were fantastic. Um, what was the for love of April French? Um, oh was, yeah, that was, was the Harlequin. Um, like Penny Ames. Yeah. What is what is their? T- Hold on. Um, shoot. <laughs> it's it's through Harlequin. It's their Karina Press, but it's it's like their special. It's, it's their queer rep press. Um, yeah, that I, they have. I don't remember um, what it is either. Uh, oh, adores. Karina adores. Right. Karina adores. <laughs> yeah. Like I can see the little symbol. Symbol. Like, yes. Yeah. Everything that uh, comes with this. Yeah, that's that was amazing. I really like. I really love Olivia Wade though. Um, in her, she writes female female books. Um, they're historicals and like the Ladies' Guide to Celestial Mechanics. Like, that's the title. Yeah, Celestial Mechanics, and I just thought it was like adorable i don't think that's out that was out earlier but she's one of my favorite authors too um i I was really excited to see an explosion of not just male there was a lot in i think historical this year too you had cat sebastian that did there's um the course and crown did a review of the doctor's discretion by ee ottoman it was recommended by sarah mclean Mm -hmm. and it deals with a transgender and person of color um Mm -hmm. And I think the author is a person of color also. So um, there was so much rep this year, which I love. I love. And I don't want it to just be male, male. I want it to be everybody. There's so. been a huge jump in young adult literature, too. And even upcoming stuff for queer and particularly female, female. And um, even a lot of non-binary mm-hmm. coming out. Which yeah. I love as a mom of teenagers, I like it because it actually makes me, gives me some insight and helps mm-hmm. me understand like, you know, um, I, we read Felix ever after my girl child and I did. And while, you know, I can claim to be an ally, I have to really live those words and understand them. And reading Felix ever after I was like, okay. I now get it. <laughs> like, I understand 
better. And there are just so many phenomenal stories this year. Mm-hmm. So many. Um, okay, I think we covered everything. Um, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you so much. And you're going to come back in 2022, right? Um, not, right. Yes, if you'll have us back. <laughs> They're yeah. like, we're not we really only... giving you an option. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, they were like, you, you we signed up for, for one, one episode. episode. <laughs> That's true. It was just one. one episode. You guys have now. This is your fourth episode, and Leah and I were already putting on the books an episode for early 2022. So, mm-hmm. yes. we are I'm not done with it. librarians. <laughs> <laughs> anyway thank you again Um, thank you and we will talk to you again in 2022always enjoy talking to our librarians we did miss laura but hopefully Mm -hmm. she'll be back with us um at the beginning of 2022 when we have them back on yes they don't have options they're just coming back (laughs) they were like we signed up for one episode what are you Mm -hmm. doing to us well, they, they can always tell us no. So clearly they like hanging out with us. We're pretty fabulous. We are pretty fabulous. Okay, so this episode is dropping on December the 19th. Mm-hmm. So guess what we're doing on Thursday, December 23rd? We are having Book Festivus because it's the Festivus for the rest of us. So on December 23rd, we are airing our book grievances. So we talk, we will talk about our year of reading book slumps, which Becky and I are continually saying all the time about our book slumps this year, things we did not love in romance. Please note, this is not a chance to bash authors. Instead, we can talk about trends or books we thought got overhyped or did not live up to what we wanted. If you would like to join us for this event, you can find details on the website at buzzingaboutromance.com. Okay, okay, Leah, it's that time in the episode where we talk about our book of, of the, the week. week. Okay, what Leah, is your what, book of the week? Um, so I actually picked a book I read earlier this year, but was not published in 2021. Um, so therefore, it didn't qualify for one of my best books of 2021. So, um, earlier in February of 2021, I read my first book by Olivia Dade. I read 40 Love and it was amazing. Um, we read the book for a quick shot of romance. Heather, uh, Minnesota hockey mom and I read it and I was hooked. Um, it's an age gap romance. She is older. It's also a vacation romance. It is funny. It is sexy. Um, it is amazing characters uh while the heroine does have some like body insecurities they didn't define her Mm -hmm. um it was also a great to read a plus size romance where the plus size was not fetishized you know not at all it was just it was beautiful and lovely and i loved every second of that book and if you haven't read 40 love by olivia date i can't recommend it enough it was it was very good and it was really well done i agree so Leah, what's Becky, your book of the week? Becky made me read 40 Love and I, I liked did. it. So I my did. book of the week is actually a new release. Um, mine is Mine to Keep by Kennedy Mitchell. It is book four in her protection series and it released on December 13th. 
this is her a suspense series with like a thriller aspect because each book in the series, the storyline follows a serial killer case and often has the heroes and the heroines in danger by the end of the book. But she writes mm-hmm. a really well done damage character that they're not healed by the end of the book, but they, by the end of like their story, like they see themselves as like a complete person, like even with their flaws, like they are still like a whole wonderful person and like their hero or heroine allow them to become their best person. But it was very good. This is Charlie's book. So if you have been following the series, he's, he's um, showed up intermittently. Um, but Charlie was very good. Excellent. Very, very good. Um, so we have picked our first read for Drunk Book Club of 2022. Uh-huh. Um, we are reading The Brutal Prince by Sophie Lark. This is kind of a new book for us, like new subgenre for well, us. This is a, a new author for me too. So I'm very excited about that. I have not read her before. So it's a mafia romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and auth- also author Sophie Lark will be joining us for the evening. Um, mm-hmm. We will gather on January 15th virtually. If you're interested in joining us, you can find details on our website or join our Patreon at patreon.com slash bookcase and coffee. So, and if you have any last minute Amazon Christmas shopping, you can support the podcast by shopping through our Amazon affiliate link. And also make sure you check out our website for deals in the buzz. We always have a huge list of free or on sale books. And there have been a ton of books lately. There have been. Okay, we have two Thursdays left in our Clear Your TBR Challenge. Um, This is two Thursdays of our Discord discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, Coming up on Thursday, 1223, we are going to talk American Queen Trilogy by Sarah Simone, which I have read. It's bonkers. (laughs) Um, And on 1230, The Sinner by Molly O'Keefe. You can find details on our website on... And on 12-31, December 31st, for everyone who's participated in our discussion or worked on clearing their TBR, we will be gifting someone at random their own small bookish cart. Because mm. everybody needs a book cart. Everybody needs a book cart for books and stickers. Right. Okay, so if you want to stay up to date on the going-ons of the podcast and the blog, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter and you can find a link to the newsletter sign up on our website. This is a great way to find about upcoming events, but also what we're reading, the challenges we have. We have a hive highlight where you can meet somebody who's part of our hive. Um, I do the newsletter and I only send it out once a month unless we have like something extremely exciting and special going out. So we might be sending a second one out in December, but it hasn't been like finalized yet. So we haven't finalized it yet. Maybe. Well, maybe because not. we have to announce, we will have a new challenge in 2022. That's true. So we should probably announce that before 2022 happens. Probably to help. But the most newsletters you will ever get, excuse me, in a month is two. Yeah. Um, we, we do not inundate you with newsletters and it's always lots of fun. And it just has a lot of information about And we what, give away book money. Happening. We do, but I don't put it in the same place every, every month. So you have to read through the whole newsletter because I hide it. 
she yeah, hides it. it. She's tricky like that. So do you mm. have a topic you think we should talk about? Um, we are always looking for new episodes ideas, and we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at thebees at bookcaseandcoffee.com with any books you think we should be reviewing or authors we should be talking to or subjects within the romance genre you would like to know more about. Mm-hmm. Tell everyone what we're doing next time, Leah, because this episode <laughs> next time. It's been a labor of love. Um, I don't know if love's the right word, Leah. <laughs> it's not. Um, so next time, <laughs> Becky and I are wrapping up our year in reading. We are going to break down our personal year of reading books that lived up to the hype in our reading slumps. We are also going to break down month to month our top reads of the month that were published in 2021, but we are starting with December, 2021. So no, we're starting with December of 2020, 2020. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. So we are going from December, 2020 to November of 2021 in each month, Becky will have a book and I will have a book. And then we will tell you our top reads of the year overall. And we do not repeat authors. We don't repeat authors. We don't repeat books. Um, so you will have, pro- and then we're going to do an honorable mention category so, also, which so we're about just really 30 good books. books, 30 to 35 books. So be ready with your pencil and paper when you listen to help us to fill your TBR, because you're welcome. It's going to blow up. <laughs> um, and we will make sure we actually also will have a worksheet prepared and ready for you to download from our on the shelf show notes as requested by some of our Patreon members so that you can keep track of books that you have read or books that you need to add to your TBR. And they will only be our top reads, not the honorable mentions. No, no one's got time for that. But Um, if you follow (laughs) us on Instagram, you will see our honorable mentions as we are dropping hints, like leading up to the year end episode. Okay, well, Leah, until next time when we do part two of Reading of 2021. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.